now that I have so many things in place business-wise, like, and there's so many opportunities for like work from home and remote work, like I'm looking for engineering jobs again because now I can, now engineering can be my after five. You know what I'm saying? Engineering can be something else that I can do. Yeah, like now I can like, and, and now it's something that I know if I decide, hey, I'm gonna I'm shift gears and start focusing more on that, well, I got this going. What's up? Welcome to the You Know's Best Pod. I appreciate your support. In return, I hope I provide you with some worthwhile gems that benefit you on your journey. At the very least, I hope I put a smile on your face. If not, hopefully you share this with someone that does benefit. And I got you next time. Again, thanks for joining today, and let's get this thing going. Welcome to another episode of You Know's Best Pod. I'm gonna give you the truth, the whole truth, well, as best I can, so help me God. Uh, I got my boy in here today. Uh, also, my tattoo artist, one of my close friends, uh, Roger Anthony, uh, owner of Studio After Five. Right, and After Five brand. So, um, we're gonna talk a lot today about, you know, just Roger's journey from, you know, being from Atlanta, going to Howard as an engineer major, to how he ended up as <laughs> a tattoo artist and a business owner. Um, it's a very interesting story, real cool dude, real dope dude, uh, real solid and loyal friend of mine so uh we're gonna get going um so roger thanks for coming on today bro yeah, man, no problem no problem so bro like at this point you don't deal with like 19 of my 20 tattoos probably really? yeah uh, only tattoo we ain't do is this one over here right i remember yeah i remember you always told me you wanted to cover that yeah we're gonna get gonna put a line on that right we ain't that. yeah we gotta get that one done and finish this but what made you want to do a line um, give them dreads and put them, uh, you know, like uh, the, you know, this arm, Rasta, is, yeah, Rasta line, yeah. yeah. But you also know, like, this arm is things I live by, mm -hmm. and this is Man. things that make me who I am, yeah. So, like, bro, you grew up in Atlanta, right? Playing ball, mm -hmm. had hoop dreams, yeah, yeah, and big, then, big hoop, big hoop dreams. Now, mind you, Roger's like five, seven, <laughs> hey, but we all got dreams, right. <laughs> Um, but then you like you said you tore both your Achilles and yes, so I tore both my Achilles and broke both my wrists. So when I was a junior, um, that was my my worst uh, Achilles tear. Like the first one, I was out for I tore it like maybe the second or third week mm -hmm. of the season, and so I was able to come back right before the playoffs started, second semester. The, the second time I was out the whole rest of the season. So after when that happened, I remember being on crutches, sitting in my physics teacher's class. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, this Porter, like this, this basketball thing ain't working. <laughs> I'm let this I go. was like, I said, I gotta figure something out. And, but I loved physics at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, she had went to Georgia Tech. She pretty much was like, why don't you look into engineering? I had no idea what it was. And at the time, we were still using, I think, web crawler, like Ask Jeeves or something as far as the search engine. And I remember looking on Ask Jeeves and um, <laughs> being totally confused about what it was actually was, but still thinking like, well, it looked like it made good money. And she was just like, well, you like math, you like science, you love physics. Like, and if you stayed awake in my class, like you probably have an eight. And she was just like, but at the end of the day, like, I think it'd be a good fit for you. So. I started looking into engineering. Like it was literally just a teacher just told me, look into it. So I did that. So you decided to like major in engineering, right? What made you go to Howard instead of like A and T or Fan? Um, so to be honest, like, you know, I was brought up 
Like only so my dad didn't go to college and my mom I found out went to Morris Brown. But I didn't know that until I started looking at college. Okay. Um so my mom, like she never told me she went to an HBCU. Um my sisters ahead of me. Um one went to Georgia State, one one went to UGA. So like I hadn't even had anybody really around me that was HBCU um to your knowledge. Yeah. To my knowledge, right? You know what I'm saying? And so um, I was actually going to Georgia Tech. Like I had already, I had already applied, got accepted. I didn't even apply to any HBCUs. Um, but what happened was, for the Booster Club fundraiser for my basketball, for basketball in my high school, um, we used to work the Georgia Tech football games. Okay. And I remember going to one of the games. My mom, matter of fact, was working in the Booster Club at the time. Um, she had had back surgery, so she was out of work. So she used to volunteer at my high school. And so she was up there, and. Uh, we were sitting there for halftime, you know, like in Atlanta, like the halftime show, the bands, like even the South period, like, you know, we just do it big. So I was looking forward to hearing the band play. Why? I don't know. But I was looking forward to I thought I was going to get something, but I didn't. So I was sitting there and I remember thinking, like, I turned to my mom and I was like, mama, like, I can't go to Georgia Tech. And she was like, what? Like, she held her chest and everything. I was just like, mama, like, I said, do you hear this? And she started, she just bust out laughing. And I was just like, I, I was like, you know, I go to Shambly. I was going to Shambly at the time. And I was just like, I ain't trying to do another four years of this. Like, this is what I got to deal with in high school. Like, I don't want to do this again. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna start looking at HBCUs. And she was just like, well, you know, I went to Morris Brown. I said, what? Like, why you went, so why you been telling me to look at it? She was like, well, you know, they ain't what they used to be and all this. And I was just like, really? Like, so literally from that point on, I pretty much completely stopped looking at PWIs. Yeah. And I was focusing on which HBCU I wanted to go to. Didn't really know a whole lot about Howard outside, to be honest, outside of the fucking uh, ludicrous song. Straight up. I know that's crazy. <laughs> I know that's crazy. But I really didn't know what we were going to talk I knew about. about. Like, I knew about people who went to Howard. And I knew about Howard as this big entity. But right. I never knew the specifics. I never thought I could go there. Like, it wasn't nothing like that. And literally, like, and this is what I always say, like, I I, I thank my mama because I did not want to get into the magnet program when I was a kid. Because mm -hmm. it made me have to get, you know, I had to get shipped from the east side to the north side every day. And, you know, it took me an hour to get to school, you know, all that kind of stuff for M to M. But if I didn't go that path, I would have never made it to Shamblin. If I didn't make it to Shamblin, I don't think I would have ever got to Howard because for our PSAT scores, most people took the PSAT, didn't take the PSAT seriously, neither did I. But I was a good test taker in school. Like, right. I, you know, I could work, I could do standardized testing. And took the PSAT and I, and I scored to be a, a national achievement finalist. Mm -hmm. And Come to find out, I guess our our guidance counselor, Mr. Loper at the time, mm -hmm. everybody who uh, received national achievement or national merit, he called them into the office and pretty much gave us a list. Like these are all the schools that will literally give you a free ride right now just for having this on your on your application. All the schools. So it was like any school in Florida. It was like Howard was on there. Uh, it was a few. It was I, once I saw Howard, I was like, oh, I'm finna go. I'm finna see about this school. So. I literally, I put in, uh, I just let him know that I wanted to go there. Right. Next thing I know, I got a letter from Howard saying that I could come for a weekend at the Mecca, which mm -hmm. was like a, a visit, you know, for all the incoming scholarships. I thought like there was a lot of stuff for like Atlanta kids too. Yeah, like, yeah. I yeah. remember being in school and like Georgia Club, all the kids was from Atlanta. I was like, yep. 
Well, yeah, I ain't know about this. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a funnel, for real. It's definitely yeah. a funnel. It's definitely, um, and it was like, it was, I came to how, matter of fact, I met Tariko at the weekend at the Metro. Shout out to Rico. Tech, shout out to Rico Harper. <laughs> so I met him at the weekend at the Metro, and it was so funny. This is how, this is how, this is the part I always tell this story when I talk about Tariko. I met Tariko, and I already knew he was going to be cool. You know, his accent, I know he's from there. He's really from there. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Really like, like, yeah, really. Yeah, really. You know, so it was like, and then me and him would talk about Outcast. I love Outcast, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, so we had the boat ride. Like, you know, the spirit, the boat ride? The, the spirit of Washington. You know, everybody, anytime you do anything at Howard, they're going to take you on the spirit of Washington. Okay. And so take us on the spirit of Washington for like the boat cruise for like the, the end of the. Uh, Kind of like to to wrap up the you know the weekend at the Mecca, and me and him both got on the charter bus that was gonna take us out to the same little Marshalls. So you know at Marshalls they used to have a little <laughs> the little shirt sense. So it'd be the shirt with the tie and the handkerchief that match. But we had the, the super country shirt, so it was like they had like the collar was a, a pattern, and then the cuff was a pattern, and the pockets were matched like. It was like that was when I realized, oh, we some country ass niggas. Cause I had like the the mine was like tan brown and his was silver, but it was the exact same thing. Like you could tell, we got from the same place. Like it was like, bro, that's so much to unpack about what you just said for the last five minutes. First, I want to tap in on the fact that like your mom went to HBCU and she didn't tell you, but I understand why she felt that way because my boy in high school, when I was in high school, he. Um, my sophomore year, he went to Morris Brown. Mm-hmm. They got yeah, lots of accreditation. Yeah. So I would see how your mother at that time wouldn't bring up Morris Brown. Like, <laughs> my school's not even accredited no more. Right. But it's crazy because, like, we got a similar experience in the sense of, like, I was an IB kid, I was a Madden kid, and I was in gifted, mm-hmm. and I always went to schools full of white people. No offense to white people, yeah. but, like, yeah. being a black dude from the south side of town, your whole family, most of your family live in the projects from the hood. It was like, and like, eventually you get tired of that shit. Yeah, and like for me, I think I I was fortunate because I felt like I was able to see it all. Like I was more so in the middle. I had friends who was doing way worse than me. And yeah, I had sure. friends who was doing way better than me. So I could see the difference. Like, And I wasn't a, in a situation where like I had everything I wanted at all, but I had everything I needed. Like, I didn't have to worry about the lights being cut off when I came or nothing like that. Yeah. But, you know, we might have to eat differently for a couple of years. You know what I'm saying? We might be eating differently in between checks, you know what I'm saying? But it ain't, I was never going hungry. I didn't ever have to want for nothing. And I lived a good life. I had like a lot of love in the house, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So because of that, like I could go to school feeling like me Mm -hmm. and being proud of who I was without, and so, but I still felt the pressure to not be able to be everything and who I, who I was. To show up authentically as yourself. Yeah, yeah, there you go. To do all of that, you know what I'm saying, um, in school. Because I could, you just, it's just there. Yeah, I felt like I was going to get kicked out of school because, like, people, like, I know people that know me now. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, Hugh, I heard you in high school, you was quiet, you ain't do nothing. I was like, bro, I wasn't supposed to be at my high school. So if I if I fired off every time somebody said something I had like <laughs> out of been out of school, yeah. bro. Like and like I think it, it is like that's a piece of it. Like I think your story is you went to tech and saw the halftime show. Always in my mindset I was gonna go to Harvard. 
Like anybody know me know, like that was my goal as a kid until I met the public solicitor from my county who was a Howard Law. And he was a black dude, so he the the the, the biggest attorney in the city. Mm. And I was like, oh fuck that, because yeah. yeah. I was a junior. Yeah. So I was like, like that totally shifted my mind. I think yeah. part of that also was like I was at a white high school mm. and had been around you know people that didn't look like me yeah. the majority of the time. Yeah. Um, not because they weren't at the school, but because I was in different classes. And I was like, I refuse to like be the token smart black kid at my and that's how I used to always feel like I used to feel like honestly I used to feel like I was smarter than every single one of them and I chose to do other things rather than so if I go if I know that I don't need but a 92 at first and it was a 90 but if I don't need nothing but a 90 to get an A I'm cool with a 90 I'm I'm cool with that so so I know I can get an A without studying without doing no homework you know doing whatever I need to do I can, and I can still ace this test, that's what I'm gonna do. So if you get a 95 and I get a 90, but I know you was going home, studying every day, you got a tutor, you got all of this. And, but then you look at me like, oh wow, you got a 90? I'm like, yeah, because I'm smart. Like, I, like I, I can grasp the knowledge and retain it better than you can. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sorry, you just, you just don't got it. You know what I'm saying? And so, but it used to bother me because I could tell that you weren't just surprised because I could get it. You were surprised because I was black and right. I could get it. You didn't have to say it. I could feel it. You know right. what I'm saying? And this was before like anybody had told me or said anything to me about I feel because I wasn't raised in like what you would call a pro-black household. Like I feel like my parents being from the South, and even though my mom is from Atlanta, my dad is from the country. Mm-hmm. So like he has a different kind of view of white people, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because of what they had to go through. You know right. what I mean? Like my dad, my dad for all, my dad was a sharecropper. <laughs> like so, yeah. so 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 people need to understand like that, those generations of, you know, um Jim Crow and all that kind of stuff, like we not that far removed. Like this is literally my father. Like when he would tell me stories about his his elementary school, he would tell me and I don't even think it clicked for him what he was doing. But he would tell me like, yeah, you know, at PE We'll go out to the peach orchard, or we'll go out to the watermelon patch. I'm like, for what? He like to work, and I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, you said you was in elementary school. He was like, yeah, you know, we had to work the land. I said, wait a minute. So at the time, I didn't know the term sharecropping, but I'm like, that don't sound like PE. You know what I'm saying? That sounds like work. <laughs> that sounds like work. You know what I'm saying? And he said, like, cause matter of fact, he told me the story that that's how he learned how to drive, cause he used to have to drive peach trucks. Mm-hmm. And like, so I didn't know they had pushed to start machinery back then, but so the, the trucks was pushed to start. They didn't have no keys, and they just, it was like a tractor type of engine, but it was a truck. Mm-hmm. And he said he, that's how you learn how to drive. So you know, so like stuff like that. So me, so I always kind of had a. a uh, idea about white folks, but like it wasn't like beat into me. Like I didn't know a lot of history, you know. I didn't know a whole lot of history, you know, uh, facts. But I could feel it, and I'm, I've always been somebody to pay attention. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so I always recognized it. Like my partners that I grew up with, I grew up with them, and we were able to mesh um, and vibe because of all related and similar experiences. Um, whereas my friends at school, I was friends with them mainly because they was the only black kids. You know what I'm saying? I right. didn't really have a choice. But like, they didn't come from the same background. Some of them did. Okay. Some of them did. It wasn't so. It wasn't necessarily. But it was the vibe. It was the. It was the. 
I like I want to be able to choose my friends based on off us vibing it, and we right. feel like I can trust you. I can feel like I don't need to just be your friend because you're black. So when I got up to Howard for the visit, that was the first thing I noticed. It was so many different kinds of black folks. Right. You know what I'm saying? The variety that I, that I asked for, like that whole like, and I'm and so like especially being an engineering too. When I got there, like I was able to see even more because there's really no African Americans in engineering. Right. It's all African. <laughs> it's pretty much all African and Caribbean, Afro Caribbean. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, man, like so I was able to learn even more about me from them because mm. I was learning like a lot of them how they felt about us as Americans. I was learning like, and so I was able to learn like even like so I had you know friends from Jamaica versus friends from. Uh, 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 Barbados and Guyana and different places, and it was crazy because you could see kind of like the hierarchy of how they respect each other and like mm. accents and like they would like talk shit about accents and like I remember it was this boy Ken that was in my class. They would talk to him like how New York folk talk to Southern people. You know what I'm saying? Like yo, like but I but being around among us, I started being able to hear it too. Like oh man, you all kind of country with it. You know what I'm saying? But like I feel you, know, Ken. Like we used to like we used yeah. to cut up, and so. It was cool. Like it was definitely one of them things that I think uh, it opened my eyes so much that I was like, "Oh, I got to come here." Like there's no like there's no other place I want to be. And so that was easily the best decision I ever made in my life was, was going out instead of, instead of Georgia Tech. Facts. Everybody I do business with, everybody that I'm I'm around on the, for 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 better for worse, like for the most part, like they all came out of my relationship with Howard. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, shout out to Howard. So. Speaking of that, like, so we at Howard, right? And we, we kind of knew each other, but we didn't really hang out the first few years of school. We're not going to talk about why we became friends. <laughs> That's, right. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> but, like, in the midst of you, like, matriculating through college, you used to have, what was the brother name that used to come up and do the tattoos? Gleek. Gleek would come Gleek, up and do man. tattoos, and then you started doing tattoos. Because, like, I know, like, when we was growing up, bro, dudes didn't have a lot of tattoos in high school and in college. They did in Atlanta. In Atlanta, but, like, yeah, that's not what I, that, that wasn't. Was yeah, that's how I got, that's how I, that's actually how I got interested in tattoos, because I played basketball. So, mm-hmm. playing the basketball around the city, going from gym to gym, you see tattoos all over the place. especially oh, high schools. In high school, yeah, because okay. you're playing shirts and skins most of the time or whatever. So, you seeing tattoos all over. And not just that, I played AAU. So I'm seeing, I'm playing basketball and on the court around my coaches who played maybe college or whatever. So a lot of them had even larger tattoos. So I saw a lot of tattoos, you know, but, and so I felt, I had three tattoos before I got out of high school and I was not even close to being tatted, considered. Like I knew, I had partners that played on my teams who had both forearms, chest, back, and stuff like before it was a thing to back, to be, you know, eat my whole body and all right, that. Right. Like before even that was a thing, like niggas definitely folks definitely had them, but it wasn't necessarily about having coverage, right. you know, and it being just fully clean, you know, all, I mean all the way filled in. But you might have, you know, a couple tattoos on your forearm, a couple on your chest, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah. And yeah. so I think for me playing and watching, you know, I remember talking to one of my coaches one time. And he had a tattoo of a uh, of a like a, a black man, mm. and in his fro was like all of these words of affirmation. And I, at the time, obviously, I didn't know what words of affirmation were, but I just knew that it was dope that you could. He had all this, all these images and information hidden in the tattoo. 
Right. And uh, I just thought that was amazing. So I knew that like my first tattoo, I wanted to make it, I wanted to be spiritual. And I also knew that like my parents would only go for it if it was like a religious tattoo. True. So my first one was a religious tattoo. The second one was literally, the the first one was just the, the verse and, and you know scripture. The second was the actual words to the verse written out on my back. And then my next tattoo was um, my initials on my chest. And I kind of went from there, but, but what I was realizing was like the tattoos that I was getting compared to my friends just looked better. And I was going to the same people, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I was realizing that like my ideas were just better. And I was a lot more particular with like how stuff was placed. Like if, if I got a tattoo, like you weren't just gonna place it on me one time. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'm gonna ask you to move it around a little bit. And I think all of those things added to how I am with my clients now. Like I have to think about like, I was this way, like I was very particular or, or you know, I asked you to redraw it a couple of times. So I can't get mad at my clients now if they ask me to redraw something, because I, I had it done. Um, but Glee, you know, pretty much, he would come up to, he would come up to Howard, do tattoos for us. And um, before that though, Stefan. So like I say, you know, full circle with, with the Howard, you know, network, Stefan is the one who introduced me to uh, Tubley. Now, Stefan is now my business partner. He's the co-owner of Studio Shout out to Steph. Stefan Ginger, he's the co-owner of Studio After Five. And so, um, he actually introduced me to Glee. He was doing, he was coming down here, doing tattoos on the east side. Well, actually, he was on the south side at the time. Um, but a lot of people from the east side was going to him, um, getting tattoos, and he was doing tattoo parties and doing all that kind of stuff. And I just remember uh, getting a couple of tattoos done from him, and then I wanted to get these big side pieces. So I ended up sitting down for a few weeks and like drawing it out. And it was my first time really trying to draw something. Mm-hmm. And Stefan, Kellen, uh, who else was living, uh, who else was living there at the time? I think Domino or was it Abby? I can't remember who was there at the time. I think it was Abby. No, no, it was just me and Kellen then. It was just me, Kellen, and Stefan. That's what it was. We were the three who lived there. Oh yeah, because Kellen was on the bottom. Kellen was on the bottom. Yeah. And so, um, and so I started drawing, and they pretty much, everybody who came in there was pretty much just like, damn, man, this is looking good. But I really didn't believe none of them because none of them were artists. And I kind of looked at it like, well, shit, I'm already an engineer. Like, I, I was, you know, about to graduate. Um, I had a good job with the government. And it was just like, man, I could just ride this. And, and if I want a tattoo, I could just do something. I could just do it on the side. Like, it ain't going to be nothing I'm going to take serious. Right. Um, but, then he, but then I invited Luke to come up. Like, Gleek pretty much was like, hey, man, he saw the drawings and he was just like, man, like, you should be a tattoo artist. He was just like, I know you don't think that you can draw and your drawing skills can get better. He was just like, but I'm looking at how you drew it and the placement and then and the way you drew it can fit exactly where you wanted it to go. Right. And that's one of the hardest things to do as a tattoo artist is, is figuring out how to draw something that'll look good on somebody's body, even when they're moving and all that kind of stuff. And um, so I told him, I was like, man, we got an extra room in DC, man. If you come up to Atlanta, I mean, come up to DC, I ain't even gonna charge you. Just, I just wanna watch you work, you know what I'm saying? Cause I had been hearing about this thing called an apprenticeship, but I didn't know what it was. And I was just like, I at least wanna watch you. And if I wanna, if I, if I really wanna get into it, then I'll try to get an apprenticeship. He was trying to talk me out of getting an apprenticeship. But that's mainly because he learned kind of like the jail way of tattooing. Right. And he kind of learned later on like skills uh, from art from tattoo artists, but overall, like his his approach is very much what we call like 
scratcher, um, and it's and it's no knock on his ability. It's just his skill set. If you only can get to a certain level without an apprenticeship, right? Um, and without the proper training, so it don't necessarily have to come. We were just talking about yeah, people yeah. not doing their apprenticeship. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So like when you, so an apprenticeship nowadays is not mandatory. I think that you can learn how to tattoo effectively, but nothing. There's the one thing that you can't get past is the time. You have to put the time in. You have to put the hours in to learn. So if that means that you're sitting in in front of your computer with practice skin, looking at YouTube videos all day, and paying for seminars online and DMing other artists, then cool. Because everybody don't have an artist around them to apprentice under. Right. But if you have the opportunity to get an apprenticeship, it's going to make your life as an artist that much easier. Because there's so many things that you learn just in passing, like. Because issues will come up that I might not have even thought to teach you, but now that you're seeing it happen right in front of me, I can I can show you right now in real time how I will solve this problem. You know what I'm saying? Right. With maybe a client who is a little is a little extra, or however they talking to me, or or maybe it's somebody who don't like the price, or maybe it's somebody who who the tattoo didn't heal as well as they thought it should have. I know it wasn't nothing I did, but I got it. I got I got to show concern and make sure that they understand that like. I want to make sure that it's the best, that it heals the best and do whatever I need to do to touch it up. So there's always things that you're going to learn in the interim that that's not part of the, the, the designated path when you're doing your apprenticeship. And so that's the thing that, that I realized. Like There were so many things that I was doing wrong that I didn't even know I was doing wrong because I had to watch somebody doing it right. You know what I mean? And you can't always get that from a video. You can't always get that from a seminar. Like You need yeah, some hands-on. Like I think the craziest thing is, is like, I went to the podcast summit like uh, a few weeks ago, like three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. But you going in this Nah, because I got you know, I got my son on Saturdays. Yeah. Okay. But um, the consistent thing that I've heard from everybody, whether it's be real estate, you talking about doing tattoos, um, people talking about doing podcasts, anything. Uh, I just did an interview with Steve uh, Small Warner, mm -hmm. and he was I talking was about filming. I was watching clips from there before I came up. With. Yeah, so like, is you got to do it, like. You can talk about it, you yeah. can practice it, but you got to do it. Yeah. And like, you're not going to get any better <laughs> by not doing it and just him and hawing about it. So like, I remember the parties and I, like, I got my first tattoo, uh, I forget, was it Tattoo Paradise over in Adams, Oregon? Yeah. 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 And I got tattooed. Yeah. And they didn't have the dude that did the Grim Reaper, so I got a scripture uh -huh. that's now over here because you covered it. <laughs> but, um, but it's just like, it, like, I'm, I'm gonna guess you probably got about sixty tattoos, like <laughs> stuff like that. At this point. I don't even. I go percentage. Um, percentage of body, right? Yeah, about sixty percent. Um, and like, it's just interesting, like to see, like, cause all the homies started getting tattoos, right? Mm -hmm. Because we would come up there. Mm -hmm. I never got a tattoo from Glee. I, was like, <laughs> I ain't doing that shit the house. But also, like, after I got my second tattoo, I was like, I don't know if I'm getting a more tattoo. Mm -hmm. But then, like, just being around you and seeing the work you was doing made me want to do it. Um, but it's just like, how do you, like, reconcile, like, hey, I'm about to move from, like, because, like I said, you had this government job. So it's like you graduated, and then you was like, you know what? I'm going to just... <laughs> Say fuck it, I'm gonna So it me. wasn't that. It wasn't me just saying fuck it. I never just said fuck it. Mm -hmm. What happened was, um, 
So I've always believed in uh, following my spirit. Mm. And I think that um, it started to grow in me during the time when I was in college. Um, and I felt like I was, I had probably hit, I had, I had a couple low points to where like, I just wasn't enjoying my life. Mm. And I felt like I was at a, even though I was young, like I look, I was looking at the future, like, can I see myself doing this for, for until I retire? Not forever, but until I retire. So for the next 30 years, can I see myself getting up, going to an office, sitting at a desk and clocking out? You know what I'm saying? Like, can I? And so I was trying to visualize myself and I couldn't, mm. like, I could not see it. Like, I, I would, and so when I was in college, I would call my mom and I'd be like, hey, mama, like, engineering, cool. Like, it's challenging. Like, I chose it because I like, I like to, my mind to be working. I like problem solving. I was like, it's cool. I said, but I know I'm supposed to be doing something else. Right. I, was like, I'm, I'm, I was like, I don't know what it is yet, but I'm letting you know when I do, I'm going for it. I was like, I, I don't know what it is yet. And I was like, but I'm gonna stick with engineering until I do. Mm. And that's what I did. And so when I so when I started tattooing, initially it was just a release. Like it was just, whoo man, I got off work and now I can do something that I love. You know what I'm saying? Like, and my job was super cushy. Like, you know, I really only had to work probably about 10 or 15 hours a week. And that was back then. So I if Thinking now, I'm like, I should have kept, you know, I should have held on to it, but it's like, it wouldn't have worked. It never would have worked because yeah. you got to do things in in, in order. And you wouldn't have been able to hear the same energy too. Nah, no, at all, at all. You know what I'm saying? Because you so, went to art school too, right? Yeah, so so right after I graduated from Howard, and well, let me back up. So when I talk about following the spirit, so what I started doing was uh, when I felt what I called the, the tug, like that pool. So, it started with me helping, this is gonna sound crazy, but it sounded, it started with me helping homeless people in DC. Mm -hmm. So when I'll be walking around DC, especially like after I'm leaving the shop and shit like that, I usually have cash on me, you know what I'm saying? And from tips or whatever. And I started to listen to my spirit when people were, cause of course if you walk U Street and I'm walking from U Street to my house, I'm gonna pass 30 homeless motherfuckers, you know what I'm saying? So, but I would, I would, Based whether I gave them money off of what I call the tug. So if, if they say something to me and I don't feel anything, I just keep going. Mm -hmm. If they say something to me and I feel I feel like a little tug on my heart, I ain't talking about their story got me feeling something. I'm talking about I feel something the inside. Spirit. When I feel that, mm -hmm. I give. And so I started to really apply that to to my business, well to my to my career. Right. And um, I felt that tug like really pulling me towards art. And so when I started doing it, uh, eventually, I, even though I wasn't making a lot of money, what I was looking at was like, man, like if I do put the work in, I'm gonna be broke for a while. Right. But if I do this, if I put this work in, I'm gonna be able to make my own salary. Like I'll be able to decide how much I wanna make every year. How much you wanna work? Oh. How much, exactly, how much do I wanna work? How much money do I wanna make? And my and my limit is only limited, what about like my, like my limits are only, it's only me, it's all on me. So when I was at the, when I was in the government job, like I would sit there and be like, bro, like I'm making this much an hour, but they only paying me for eight hours. I gotta get up early, 
I got to get here, take about an hour commute, and I got to do the same thing going back. So y'all should be paying for me like 12 or 14 hours. Y'all only paying me for eight. So really, if I do the math, I'm making way less than what I think I should be making. Because you're taking out hours from my life. You're taking out hours from my life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so for me, it was just like, nah, I don't like this. You know what I'm saying? I don't like this. If I'm going to be spending time doing something, it's going to be something that I love. It's going to be something that is going to make me feel fulfilled. And so, you know, and so I did both for a while. And that's where After Five came from because I looked at it like when I saw tattooing as a way out, I stopped looking at it as a as a backup plan or as a side gig. Um, and so I looked at it like I have my nine to five, but I got an after five as well. And so from that point on, I had something like, was I started to have more structure. Like right. I had something that wasn't just tied to my name. Cause to that point it was all Roger Anthony art, or Roger Anthony tattoos, or, you know, I didn't really have anything to brand myself with, right. you know what I'm saying? And, um, and I, you know, I guess I was a little bit ahead of the curve as far as everybody having a brand for stuff. But I will say that like I wasn't ahead of the curve when it came to understanding what a brand meant. Right. You know what I'm saying? So applying it in the way that could have been used from 26 because this I had this brand since 2017, 2018. So like, you know, it's been around for a minute, but I didn't push it as that because I just wanted something that I could identify my, my own business as, you know what I'm saying? Right. So like you make that pivot and then you're an apprentice, mm -hmm. right? And you apprentice at pins and needles yeah. for like what, how long? You uh, I guess my apprenticeship lasted about two years, uh -huh. um, maybe a little bit longer. Um, most apprenticeships last a minimum two years, but like I had already been tattooing for about a year when I got my apprenticeship. And even how I got the apprenticeship, like I said, it's about following the spirit yeah. and relationships. Like I literally wrote down a bucket list of things that I wanted to do before I graduated yeah. and how one of those things was learning how to swim because I didn't know how to swim. So, so I get into swim class because it wasn't man, you know, it's mandatory for some schools, but it wasn't for everything. Right. So it didn't have to. So I had a free elective my last semester, and mm -hmm. I was just like, man, you know, I'm gonna take swimming. You know what I'm saying? So, right. Because I actually it was between straight up, it was between taking a doctor car class mm -hmm. and swimming. I was like, I, I gotta take me a doctor car class before I leave out. Like, I believe how I'm not taking. You know what I'm saying? I ain't so, taking one either. So I used to go and sit in his classes, but mm -hmm. I never, I never actually took his class. So. So anyway, so um, I get to, um, what was I talking about? I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> we talking about the fact that like, you did an apprenticeship at oh. college and how you got there. All right, so I'm in my swim class and this is before, this is when I'm still trying to figure out if I want to actually tattoo full time, but I'm like, I know I'm at a point where I can't learn too much else from Blue. Cause I'm asking him questions and he giving me answers like, it's just what I do. It's just how it's like, well, bro, I need more than that. Like, I need some. I'm an engineer. I, I, yeah, need, I, need, I, need, I need to know why this is happening. I need to know if I'm using the right tools, whatever. Because I'm looking at stuff in magazines. My shit ain't looking like this, and your shit ain't looking like this. So, no one how do I get my shit to look like that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he, he really wasn't trying to, to, to go the technical route. And I knew that I had to learn from somebody else. So, but I knew I had to learn. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wanted to learn. I wanted somebody that was willing to show me the right way to do it. And I was going to put the work in. So I started, so I actually, while I was in swim class, there was a girl in the swim class who was like, hey, like, I like your tattoos. Are you a tattoo artist? Now, up until that point, 
anybody who ever saw my tattoos, if they said they liked them or whatever, they would always just say, where do you get your tattoos now? That was always the question I got. This is the first person who ever asked me about the tattoo artist. Mm. And I was like- Look at how God worked. Right, straight yeah. up. And I was just like, I was just like, nah. I was like, but I'm thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? She was like, well, my uncle got a tattoo shop on U Street. Like, you should go holler at him. I said, yo, uncle, what's his name? She was like, his name Chris. Um, okay. Like, like for real. I was wondering like, how you ended up straight up. This is how it happened. She was like, his name Chris. You know what I'm saying? You should go down there. So like, she was like, I'm not gonna lie. I cannot remember the name of his shop right now. But it's right there on U Street. Like, you can't miss it. Just go on. You just walk down U Street. You'll see. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I get out of class that same day. I'm hyped. Like, I'm gonna give me a princess. So I go yeah. down to U Street and I end up at DC Inc. Right? Because you know how like you cut through behind the tower. So yeah. I didn't walk straight from Georgia to Florida. I walked. So if you know, if you come from that way, you actually skip past where Pennsylvania is. Right. Because you're coming down Vermont and Pennsylvania is to your left. So I bust that right on U Street and Walk to DC Inc. I get DC Inc. and I'm like, you know, y'all do apprenticeship. They're like, yeah, but we only take full time apprentices. Um, and the owner, I was like, is the owner named Chris? They like, yeah. I was like, does he tattoo? They like, nah. I was like, damn. Right, I'm thinking like, well, either she lying or they lying. But either way, I ain't like the vibe when I walked in there. So I'm like, um, all right. So I'm just walking back to the shop. I mean, walking back to campus, like low key feeling defeated. You know what I'm saying? And to your right. To my right, they go pins and needles. And from working there, I really like Chris was standing at the front. And from working there, Chris is like never at the front. You know what mm. I'm saying? He's always in the back. So I see this black man with locks. And I'm like, he looked like a tattoo artist. And he's like on the computer. So I'm like, yeah. So I walk in, I'm like, your name Chris? He like, yeah. <laughs> and like, and because of his, like, I know his personality now, this is just hilarious, like, when I think about it. So I'm like, you tattoo? He like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, like you the owner of the tattoo? Like, I'm like, you the owner? He like, yes, nigga, like, what's up? And I was like, man, you know, so I, so I had a a binder with, uh, like, photo slips in it, and I, pictures I had uh, printed from CVS. Mm. I ain't know nothing about a portfolio or none of that. I just knew you need to see something. Right. So I came in there with that and he was pretty much just like, okay, it looks like you know what you're doing. He was just like, have you had any art training, any professional art training? I was like, nah, man, you know, I just, you know, just been kind of doing my thing out of career, but I want to learn more. You know what I'm saying? Like I want, I want training. He was just like, well, everybody here has some type of professional art training. So before you can get an apprenticeship, you need to get, um, you need to take some art classes. And you need to, um, and you already have two people in front of you. You know what I'm saying? There's two people who are in line. And so I was just like, man, I don't know nothing about no art schools. I said, bro, I just graduated from Howard a few months ago. Because right. at this point, it was literally like June. We had graduated in May. So it was like literally the next month. And he was like, he was like, well, take a look at these classes. So he gave me like three different class, three different schools to look at. Mm -hmm. So I went home and I printed out, no, matter of fact, at my job the next day, I printed out, <laughs> I printed Bro, out. that's a bold strategy. Right, right, right. I printed out all the uh, courses from every school because I had no idea what courses to take. I'm like, bro, like, I don't even know where to start. Do I just start at intro to art? Intro, like, what do I, like, I don't know. Like, what's right. gonna help me with tattooing? So I take them up to him the next day, the printout. Like, hey, like, you know, okay, you said go to school. What school I need to go to? What class I need? Okay, I'm gonna go to Montgomery College. But what school I need to go? I mean, what class I need to take? Mm -hmm. This nigga highlighted like 
every play. <laughs> all of them. You know what I'm saying? All of them. I'm like, bro, okay. I said, I see what is going on. You think I'm you think you're gonna scare me out. You're not gonna scare me away. Like nigga, I'm gonna be in this motherfucker. So I enrolled like a couple weeks later. So okay. I took summer courses. Uh, so I took like, you know, the intro, intro to art classes and draw one-on-one and like uh, color theory and some art history classes. And uh, so I did that for the summer. And then when the following uh, spring came back around, I got my apprenticeship. And so maybe like a, a, uh, maybe like six months into that, I left my job and became full-time, you know what I'm saying? And so from that point on, I was full-time for about two years until like the, you get a, you kind of get into a, you know, you, whenever you go into business for yourself, you get into a, a space where you start to doubt that you made the right decision. You know what I'm saying? You start to doubt that, like, especially like when that slow season comes and like you still got bills coming in and you're trying to do things for other people. And you try, you know what I'm saying? You don't have no extra money to, to you know, Christmas come around and you the uncle coming in town from DC and you supposed to be the da 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 And the, the cool uncle who had the government job at the Pentagon and you broke his hell. You know what I'm saying? And you like, I ain't got nothing for you. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, everybody get how you use this year. You know what I'm saying? Like that type of shit. And so it was like, I was feeling horrible, so I took another job, and I took a job out in um, Baltimore, mm. and it was at the, uh, it was like the Maryland State Highway Department, I was a traffic engineer, so I was like back in my career, and the whole plan was like, I'm like they were starting to do more flex hours at that office, so my idea was cool, like if they got flex hours, I'm only gonna have to work a certain days, a certain number of days a week, I think it was like three, uh, four days in the office, Fridays I don't have to come in, and then and, then, and I could work from like instead of working eight to five or whatever. I mean, instead of working eight to four every day, I think I was working seven to five or something, something where I was putting the extra hours in the first four days. So I didn't have to work on the fifth. So I was like, cool, I could do my $50 Fridays. I could do my, you know, so, so I'm thinking like how I could make this work. You know what I'm saying? And right. work, make both situations work. But you know how jobs do. They get you in there and then you get there. Then they, they tell switch you. It up. So I got in there and they were just like, oh, well, yeah, you can't start the flex now. You got to wait till your probationary period is over. So 90 days. So 90 days. But within those 90 days, I was so miserable that and before those, like, matter of fact, right after those 90 days was up, I had an evaluation. And I realized, like, I was trying to, you know, I was trying to save up for things and I had the money that I was trying to save up for. And I was like, man, you know what? Fuck it. I'm out, y'all. Like, I was like, so that was when I said fuck it. Yeah. But I was like, but it was like, you know what? Like, it was hard. What I was doing was hard. But I believe in myself doing this more than I will let y'all. Because for me, it was like, I might, you know, as a traffic engineer, most of the jobs where most of the work I'm doing is for projects that won't be completed for another 15, 20, 30 years. So I'm doing projections for a 30, for, for a proposal for, for land that's going to be work that's, Literally, people have land slotted out in Maryland somewhere for a new subdivision or a new school or a new shopping center mm -hmm. that's going to be built in 30 years. I'm supposed to determine how the population is going to grow and how that's going to how that's going to dictate the traffic flow, how many lanes we need to add for the roads out there, all that kind of stuff. But I'm never going to see it actually happen. Like, I will personally never see this happen. That's and it was just like, bro, like, I'm working on like, and so you give me a project, the numbers and stuff not due for a month. I finish it in the first week and I don't have nothing else to do. But you want me to come up here and sit in this office every day. That was the most miserable time of my life. That was way worse than the, the first, the, the federal government job. Cause it was a state and it was like, 
It's like okay. I was terrible. Yeah, I was like, I can't do this. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, you know, a lot of microaggressions and all that. And, you know, me being the black man and all of that. And, it was, and I was starting to grow my hair out. Like, and they wasn't liking that. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I was growing my facial hair. And I, you know, they trying to ask me. I was like, look, y'all not going to tell me how to dress. Y'all not going to tell me how to wear my hair. Because y'all hired me the way I was. You know what I'm saying? So I ain't like, y'all, I'm not going to be kissing no ass in here. Like, so y'all going to forget that. And so I got into it with one of the lead engineers. And I could feel myself like on some finna be coming in on some some rah rah like nigga shit. And I was like, before I do that, let me just leave. You know what I'm saying? So I I gave my letter to my my immediate supervisor, and I didn't even I gave her the two weeks. It was on a Wednesday, and I realized my birthday was gonna be within the two weeks. I was like, you know what? <laughs> my last day Friday. <laughs> she was just like, what? I said, y'all don't want me up here for the next two weeks. Trust me, cause y'all ain't get nothing. Y'all don't get nothing out of me. You know what I'm saying? Right. So. Let me just go ahead and bow out. And she was just like, man, she even told me, she was like, you know, I know you probably try to put on a good face. She was like, but I could tell you're never happy here. She was just like, you got way more going for you than, than this office. She was like, you got bigger things going on. She was like, I think you should focus on what you're trying to do. And I was just like, well, I appreciate that. And that was a white lady, you know what I'm saying? But she was, she was always cool. Like Lisa, like, I can I I fuck with Lisa. Like she was yeah. real, she was real. There's always some cool ass white people, right? Yeah, I, yeah I was, she was cool. She was like, like, like there's a lot of there's a lot of white people that you know poured it to me growing up, you know. So I've never had, <laughs> I ain't never like fuck all y'all. Yeah, yeah, it's never been fuck all of them, but, but I've gotten enough from enough. Yeah. <laughs> now, funny story, Roger was you interned for the Bay Bridge, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. So I was so when I was my senior, our senior design project was studying the self anchor suspension bridge, whatever we call it, the SAS. So it was. It was you know, replacing the old Bay Bridge that collapsed um, in 84. And um, so we studied the, the collapse. And so my part was what, what they call the shear link beam. So it's like a shear force that causes bridges to fail. And um, we were studying that. So I actually, that's part of how I got into tattooing as well is because even though I did, so for the government job, I did computer design. Mm -hmm. But with doing all of those all the time, I feel like mentally I started to visualize shapes and patterns and spacing, and which is what I ended up applying to tattoos, which is why so many of my designs are so structured and straight and geometric because I was doing it for so many years for that job. But but the thing about it was I uh, kind of forgot where I was going with that. So <laughs> did you smoke today? Early. <laughs> but, but I'm not like I think you were talking about how like the baby. Oh right, right, right. yeah, yeah. So, so, oh man. So we, uh, so we went out there to Oakland for our signature, and um, we actually walked the bridge before it was even connected. So we literally walked out to the edge and looked down into the water. Like when I tell you that one, because you don't realize. I don't do heights. <laughs> Me neither. And that shit was so scary because it really did just end. Like there was no barrier or nothing. You just had to kind of peer out, and like they made you come back. But it was like. You realize how massive it is because we're walking inside the bridge, and there's three or four levels inside the bridge before you get to the top. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And so the, the the components of the bridge, it was just fascinating. And like that's what I love about engineering, and that's why like even now, like now that I have so many things in place business wise, like and there's so many opportunities for like work from home and remote work. Like I'm looking for engineering jobs again because now I can. Now engineering can be my after five. You know what I'm saying? Engineering can be something else that I can do. Side hustle. Yeah, like now I could like, and, and now it's something that I know 
if I decide, hey, I'm gonna I'm a shift gears and start focusing more on that, well, I got this going. Like, I got this going. I have other artists that work with me now that, like, you know, it's like now my life can really have the balance that I always wanted and that I was looking for when I first took that Baltimore job. Mm -hmm. But it's like that was back in 2015. It's almost 10 years later now. But I had to go through that whole process to get back here to understand how to have balance in my life. You know what I'm saying? I think that's been the biggest thing is like me learning how to do that because part of the reason why I left the government job, well, left the state job was because of the time. But then part of the reason why I had to shift what I was doing in tattooing was because of my time. Like I, I missed out on so many, so many, uh, I don't even like to say opportunities, but it's like when you, like you gotta live life, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And I felt like I worked so much as an apprentice and then not and then after pretty much my first 10 years of tattooing, I worked pretty much seven days a week. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, so the relationships I had built with friends, romantic relationships, fam fat, like my family, parents, like everybody, all my relationships were strained because of what I was doing. And I was so focused on what I was doing and I didn't even notice it. You like there. I was on my grind and people were like one of the things that I try to like teach the artists that's with me now is like learning how to grind without grinding yourself into the grind. And like for me, I did that. Like I I I worked so hard that I damn near killed myself. You know what I'm saying? And I I lost so much weight. Like I just like I just wasn't me. You know what I'm saying? And although I was doing what I love, I was not living the life that I wanted to live. And so like it became a toxic relationship. Though. Definitely, it was definitely toxic and it was definitely um, only productive in one way. You know what I'm saying? And that was just me elevating with tattooing, but no other aspect of my life was getting touched. You know what I'm saying? And anytime you have that, so many things are gonna suffer. And I think that's why, you know, there's so many starving artists. It's not because you don't have money, it's because you spend so much money on things because you can't manage it because you don't have balance in your life. You know right. what I'm saying? It's Shout like, out to balance. Yeah, for real, like for real, it's, it's big because like that's been my biggest thing over the last couple of years is like understanding how to get it and then how to maintain it and still grow at the same time. Like so, you know, I've had I've had so many situations where like I had to cut off folks to focus, to refocus myself or or stop smoking for a while to refocus. Because I'm realizing that, okay, once I start doing too much of this, I need to level it back out. Like I gotta bring it back over here so I can get back to a center. Um, but also so that I can, um, I started, I read this book uh, last year called The 12 Week Year. And that changed my life. I put my business partner onto it. The artist now are reading, I think Kellen said, he just picked it up. Um, and for me- Guess how, guess how, Amazon. Not for real. The 12 Week Year is literally one of the best books I read for anybody who is a multitasker, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, well, I definitely need that. Yeah, doing the ad, the podcast, the working. Yeah. And, and what it does is, you know, I'm sure there's other books out there that talk about it, but it talks about time blocks. Mm. And to, to sum it up as quickly as I can, like it's one of those books that the first thing it does is it gets you out of a what they call the annualized way of thinking. So rather than you thinking about a year, like, between birth, I was always thinking birthday to birthday. I need to get this done before my next birthday. Right. But in between that time is 12 months of life. 
You know what I'm saying? So I have a list of things that I want to get done at the beginning of this year. I ain't even think about that. That list is completely different by the end of the 12, at the end of the 12 months. But if you approach every 12 weeks as if each week is a month, mm. then you have a 12 week year. So right now I'm in the third, I'm in the second week of my fourth 12 week year. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Uh, and so and so a lot of every time I tell people about it, they'll be like, oh, so a quarter. Like, no, because you already you already equating it to a part of the whole year. Mm. You want to look at this as I want to get everything accomplished in this 12 weeks that I would have normally got accomplished in a year. And and you're able to do it by being more organized and balanced with your time. So every single day I get up in the morning or maybe the night before and I write out 10 things that you need to that get. I need to get done for that day. Now, but before that, at the top of the week, I wrote out maybe 30 things that I wanted to get accomplished for the week. So every day I'm looking at that list of 30 and I'm only pulling from that list of 30 to decide what I'm gonna do that day. Mm. So for instance, today, I knew we had the podcast, so I made sure that some of the things that I normally would do during this time, I didn't put on my list. You know what I'm saying for today? At the end of the day, I score myself. I like I like easy numbers, so that's why I use 10, because it's easy, like three out of 10, four out of 10, eight yeah. out of 10, whatever. You know what I'm saying? So every day I do that, and every week I score myself at the end of the week. We have weekly accountability meetings at the studio, so everybody brings their scores. We talk about what, why we were able to accomplish what we were, why we weren't able to accomplish, and it also helps you understand that like, it's okay if you had a bad week. If something just wasn't right with you emotionally, like you're going through something, like it's okay to take some days off. And I think it's too many artists and business owners, entrepreneurs who think that they have to fight through everything. Like sometimes you gotta, you just gotta sit for it. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And that's one of the things that makes me in a business makes makes me fortunate to be a business owner because I have that option. Like I have that right. I can take a break and shut it down for a week if I want to. And and as long as I can make sure that everything else is taken care of, I'm good. Um, but it's just been 12 years, easily been a life changer and a game changer for me. Cause I've seen my productivity go up just because I can be more organized and I can like, and so because I'm blocking off time, you got three time blocks. Now in the book, they have different times. I, I call it my get money block, mm. my chill block, right. and my administrative block. Mm. So your chill block is obviously your me time. But your me time includes, you know, going to the gym. Your me time, going to get, going, get groceries or whatever. All that is your me time. Administrative stuff is obviously stuff that you need to do for your business, but it's not gonna get you money right now. So that's emails, you know, texts, you know, create content for your page, all yeah. that kind of stuff. It has to be done, but it's not gonna guarantee you money today. And then the get money block, every day I give four hours a day to make sure I'm doing something that's gonna directly get me money. So whether that's tattooing that day, making a painting, putting some something on my store, online store that can be sold, whatever, four hours a day I'm devoting to that. And so when I think about it now, even after all of that, I still have free time in the day. So I still, I ain't, so I hadn't talked about sleep. Right. I hadn't talked about eating. None of that stuff is in my me time. No, that's light, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so I still have an extra 10, sometimes 12 hours a day that is free outside of the, and I'm still getting everything accomplished. And so I'm amazed, like, God, like I was working so hard, bro. <laughs> work, now you're you know working smarter than I am. Now I'm working smarter, you know what I'm saying? And it, and it feels so good. Like, it feels so good. So, bro, like, you're going to fast forward a little bit. So you was at Pins and Needles, came down to Atlanta 
what was it, 18? 2019. 2019, started working in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my baby, Tuki. Um, but during the pandemic, yeah. you made a pivot. You mentioned it several times, like you got your studio, right? And I came home and I was like, hey, bro, I'm trying to get a tattoo. He was like, yeah, pull up to the studio. Right. <laughs> I looked at my studio. Yeah, he was like, oh, I got to open up my own shop. I was like, during the pandemic? What are you just talking about? Going to get an engineer job? Yeah. And it's like, and then you open the shop in September 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the grand opening, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, to see, like, y'all, right now we're in one of the studios at Studio Plates, you know, on the, what's it, this the east, south side, right? No, it's the east, east side, east side, yeah, over by Edgewood. Um, Roger and I went from having one studio, <laughs> three studios, <laughs> to having working by himself, to now he have artists that work under him in a matter of three years. And I think like people got to understand that process too, yeah. like because that's like that's big in a matter of it's not even three years. Like this is a three year anniversary, yeah, right? Coming up, yeah. so like. How's that process been for you? Like, how's that journey? You know, it's crazy you say that, bro. Because <laughs> um, it has not been easy. But you know, um, I man, I, I hate going back to it, man. Following the spirit, man. Like, honestly, like listening to God, listening to, like praying about it, and, and really sitting with it. So what happened was, you know, during the pandemic, um, you know, everything shut down. Even Atlanta shut down for for about a month. You know what right. I'm saying? And um, during that time, when the shop was closed, um, before the shop actually closed, um, City of Ink, uh, I had a therapy session. And I remember talking to my therapist, kind of telling her my plan. Like, I want to have my own studio one day, but I want to be able to like create an atmosphere and a vibe that like people, you know, where I can really teach artists and I can like teach how to like really have good customer service and like, all these different things that I've seen been helpful in my career. Like I want to be able to share that with people. And I remember her saying like, well, Roger, like you do realize like you're not going to be able to do all of that in somebody else's shop. Like if you want to create all of that, like you're going to have to have your own. Oh, and she was just like, and she was just like, so what's your timeline? I'm like, well, I mean, I think I plan on being at City of Inc. at least three years so I can build my clientele. She was just like, so like, I'm gonna be honest with you, everything that I've ever heard you do, everything you said you wanted to do, you always did quicker than you thought you was gonna do. Right. As long as I've known you. She was like, she was like, so I'm gonna be honest, I don't think you got three years. And she was just like, so, and I had already told her about this sermon I had watched before, and it was talking about walking, moving at the pace of grace. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I talk about when I talk about uh, listening to my spirit, like understanding that like, if you are like I'm, I'm a spiritual guy, but I feel like over the last couple of years I've become more religious. Like I've actually dove into the Bible a lot more and really read a whole lot more for myself for understanding. From the time that I started working with her, whenever I had a goal as far as um, where I was going with my business and even just in general with life, like it seemed like everything I was doing, I, it would happen quicker. I would make it happen quicker than what I thought. So my goal was to be at City Mink for three years. Um, I was like, I'm moving back to Atlanta. I was like, I need to get a feel for how the tattoo, how the tattoo world is in Atlanta. Cause it's very different here than in DC. In DC, like there was so few like quality, good quality tattoo artists that like coming out of pins and needles was all I needed to 
to and being at Howard, honestly, was all I needed to have enough clientele to stay booked all the time. Yeah. Well, but coming home, like <laughs> you walk down the street and it's a, literally fifty good talented artists outside the door. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, and then you have new people moving to Atlanta all the time for the promise of riches. You know what I'm saying? Right. In in the, in in Wakanda, basically. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I mean, but for real though, and that and but it's a it's a place that that rewards hustle. It's a place that rewards um, finesse, finesse, but it rewards. But if you are if you do good work and you know the right people, that's all you need in them. You know what I'm saying? And that's not really the case in DC. With DC, it was a little different. But like I said, I came home, and so I knew I needed to be in the right place. Fortunately, I already was. Like I already knew on um, the owners of City Event, Maya and Tuki. I already had a relationship with a bunch of the artists there. So, and it, it already felt like home because I had already started doing guest spots. Mm. Um, so I had been doing guest spots there for, since my apprenticeship started, you know what I'm saying? So I moved back in 2019. I had been doing guest spots there for at least three or four years already. So every time I would come home, if I wasn't like taking like private appointments at my sister's spot, I was over at the shop taking walk-ins or doing whatever. So like I was, I was already feeling good about it, but I realized like, damn, like, don't nobody know me down here for tattoos for real. Like I grew up hooping. So I'll be walking around and folks would literally stop and like, I remember you playing that shit and be like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, like that is, I haven't played no basketball in so long. Like that is not what I do no more. You know what I'm saying? But right. so I had to realize like, I gotta, like people have to re-identify, like they have to identify me with something else now. And people really didn't even know I was back. And so I was like, man, like people will still, if you look at my Instagram, you can't tell what I'm in in DC or LA or whatever. So people really were like, oh, you back back? I said, no, I moved back home. Like, you know right. what I'm saying? And so I was like, so I really was nervous. Like, I not nervous. Like the reality of it was I was starting over. Mm-hmm. The reality of it was I was starting back at zero after being an artist, being, being an artist, being a tattoo artist for 10 years and being an entrepreneur for about seven. I was starting over. And uh, that was a hard pill to swallow, you know what I'm saying? Coming back home, staying with my folks, and then my cousin bought a house not too long after, so I was able to move in with him. But like staying in somebody else's house, you know, where I had been on my own for so long in DC, didn't have a car no more. Like, I just, like, it was just so many things. It was just like, bro, like, what is going on? And then everything shut down. And so it was like, for the first time in 10 years, I couldn't work. Right. Like it wasn't even about if I wanted, I could not. Like, there was nobody to tattoo. There was no shop to go to. And so I had to just sit. And so for three months, I didn't tattoo. You know what I'm saying? And so pretty much from the end of January 2020 until right mid March, April, I wasn't tattooing. The shop opened back up around then. I was able to start taking clients and stuff like that. But a while the shop was shut down, I was like, man, I got to figure something out. Like, so I went and uh, looked, went on LinkedIn and was like, damn, I still had a low haircut. I was just like, okay, let me go like update my LinkedIn. I need to go get some headshots. And it just so happened, this is why I talk about following the spirit. Like it just so happened that my loctician had just moved and she moved to this complex. Mm-hmm. So I literally was walking through the complex. Like, oh, man, this is nice. Like, I ain't never heard of this, like never seen it in my life. Like never knew this was over here. So 
But as I'm walking, I'm seeing signs saying space available for lease and all this stuff. I'm seeing like, oh, people must have been losing their businesses during this pandemic. Like yeah. they probably giving out spaces for the low. So I emailed dude. And because I had already been planning, even though I wasn't ready, I was already planning to get a house. So like I had already been saving money for a house, but now my mindset shifted like, well, why would I save to get a house if I don't even know how I'm gonna pay for it when I get it? I said, why don't I put this money into a business that can buy my house and then I ain't gonna have to worry about it. And so that's what I did. So the money that I had saved was able to pay for, you know, to get the spot and to do the renovations. And then I had some money left over so that even if I didn't book within the first couple months, I had a couple months of, of my rent reserve say, on reserve. So like I was, I was in a, I felt I went from feeling like the lowest of the low to feeling like, damn, like I need got his own business now. And like literally, I went from that mindset to I don't want to do this by myself though. I don't want to try to run a whole business by myself. I want somebody who's going to help me with the financial portion of it. And so because Stefan had already been working with me to get after five established. And me and him already have a really close relationship. He was the first person I thought of as far as really, well actually, yeah, he was the first person I thought of as far as going into full business. I had other people who I had talked to as far as like renting out the space, you know what I'm saying? Like I had Lamont uh, cutting hair and stuff like that, but I had never really looked at him as being like, as becoming my business partner. I was just looking at like, I could have a space that I could use for multiple things. Right. And so when I talked to Steph, it was like a light bulb went off because we had been meeting for about six months at that point on either Tuesdays or on either Thursdays or Sundays. And all we would talk about was business. Like mm. we didn't have any any real, we would just be like, bro, like we done partied together, we done kicked it, we done did all kinds of stuff. We ain't never really made no money together, bro. Like we know we can do this. And we used to always say, he used to always be like, bro, like you the only person that I would go into business with because I've seen be successful with business. And I was like, and you the only person that I trust with money advice because the advice you've given me has worked. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I was just like, so we had an understanding that like- And you already had that trust. We already had that trust, you know what I'm saying? And so I was like, Steph, I was like, well, I got this spot, bro. Like, come check it out, see what, see what you think. I was like, because I want an accountant. I at least need somebody who I trust handling my money. So he came by and he was like, bro, I ain't gonna lie. Like, before you called me to come over here, I had just written on my vision board that I wasn't gonna allow anybody to box me into a title anymore. Mm. And he was like, and that's what you asking me to do. To be your account. To be my account. And I was just like, well, if I'm being honest, I really wanted a business partner, but I ain't want, but I know you working at Mercedes right now. I can't, I can't see you like, he like, no nigga, that's exactly what I want. I was like, what? He was just like, yeah, bro. He was like, I want to do so. He was like, what you, what you want done, I see it. I see what you're talking about. I'm down. Let's do this shit. So he came on and, you know, so shout out to the man behind the scenes. Too. For real, for real. Shout out to Steph. So he came on and it was like, it was like, so now I already had money to take care of myself. Now I can split that in half. And now I'm sharing the load with somebody. And it was like, man, like, whoo, like I got somebody now that I trust that I can build with. So now I can focus on the art stuff. You know what I'm saying? And getting making stuff look good. And he could focus on making sure the business is running. But what it also actually taught me over the last year is how much I actually already knew. You know what I'm saying? But not 
knowing that I learned it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like we talk about something, and I'm like, yeah, da, da, da. he like, oh damn, bro, you. I said, oh damn, I did know that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, but it was like, you know, just I've been doing this for a while now. Like I've been in business for myself for 13 years, not full time, but I've been tattooing for 13 years. Like it'd yeah. be 14 in in um, October of this month. I mean, October of this year. So it's like. For me, it's like nah, I've had a I've had a good career. I've had a successful career that most business owners can't say. You know what I'm saying? Like my first year in here, I tripled my income. My my I tripled my income. You know, the man say he tripled his income. <laughs> my first year in this studio, I was like, you know what I'm saying? I was able to buy a crib. I was like, you know what I'm saying? Like things were just, and I was, and the only difference was. For the big, the biggest difference was management, like how I manage my money and where I put my money. You know what I'm saying? Um, and yeah, also, I remember. I remember you got like real focused. Yeah. For like it was like six months. Or yeah. Something. It was like Brian smoking. Yeah, like because I realized like I couldn't, like even when it came to like for me it was like my desire to have a relationship with God changed to where it was like if it's taking me away from you. I don't even want to bother with it. And so smoking, I couldn't pray. Literally, that was the biggest thing. I, any other time I'm high, I'm cool. But it's like, if I'm trying to pray, like I can't be high. Like I can't connect. You know what I'm saying? Because you can't focus. I can't focus. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like, man, I was like, so that was the biggest thing. It was like, when, I'm, when I, I was trying to hear from him and I felt like I was blocking the signals. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, I need to clear the fog so I can, so I can hear from him. And when I did that, I felt like like my first time crying tears of joy is when I got in the studio. Because I remember like thinking that it wasn't going to happen. I had two other, before I found this spot, I found two other places that I thought was perfect. Mm -hmm. The first spot was literally right next door to my barber that I've been going to since high school. So for me, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. He going to have niggas in the shop getting haircuts. He going to be sending them right next door to me. The spot was in Buckhead. You know what I'm saying? It was already, it was a luxury last studio before they left. Before they, So it was already set up with, with individual rooms, frosted glass doors, marble floors, chandeliers, like the whole so you had to do minimal. I didn't have to do nothing. It was ready to go. But thinking back, it all the money that I had saved would have been eaten up with the first month's lease. <laughs> the first month's lease would have ate up all the money I had saved. Because it's bucket. Because it's bucket. You know what I'm saying? But this is in a historical area. It's in a historical building. So a lot of the rules that apply in everywhere else didn't apply here. You know what I'm saying? MLK house down the street. This is MLK neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's old four wars. So it's like one of them areas where Things are just done a little different. And so, but that was just God, like, like I said, hey, I'm looking at it like, damn, man, I couldn't get that spot. And then he, he goes send me right up. And mind you, my house is 1.1 miles away. So literally, it is one mile away. I have a four minute commute to work every day. If you want to run over here, you could. <laughs> I do sometimes. Like I literally walk to the, I walk on one of the cool mornings, I literally walked over here, you know what I'm saying, just to see how it was. And I was like, damn, it wasn't even that bad. It was like a 20 minute walk, you know what I'm saying? It was just like, damn, like if I give me a bike, like I ain't never gonna have a drive. You know what I'm saying? saying? People just gotta understand sometimes you gotta trust the timing, right? You gotta trust it. You the, gotta the trust The no it. is not no forever, it's a no right now. Or and that's how, like, that's how it's I feel a no about. for a reason. Exactly. And and I'm cool with that. Like I'm I have had to learn to be okay with the no's because trust me, like my faith is so strong 
Like I saw like, so I'll tell you like this. I remember um, my shroom, a shroom, like my only time doing shrooms, right? Shout out to shrooms. <laughs> I did shrooms and I've always wanted to do shrooms because I always felt like, I obviously it's from the earth, but I always felt like it was a different type. It unlocks, it would unlock something it's different. Definitely a different, different vibe. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And so I remember like doing the shrooms and this was in 2019. Mm-hmm. So I had just moved back home. I was doing the walk-ins. You know, I had just got a car, so I was thankful for that. But like outside of that, like my life was not going the way I wanted to go. Like everything right. seemed like it was falling apart. And I remember like I was. This was during the time when I was fasting, when I wasn't smoking. Mm-hmm. And so I think I, I think it was about six months. Cause I think it was from. I want to say it was from like August of 2019 on until like. The new year, so like five months, four five, four five months. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like four months. That's what I think it was four months. And I no, 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 it was five months because I started in July. Yeah, I started in July, and um, I just remember <laughs> uh, the the biggest thing about that trip was like I was sitting in a chair, like those old like wicker chairs, like that you see, you see the uncles in the seventies and stuff, and. I was sitting like up, like I was on a throne though. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like uh, one of the Black Panthers when you see each other. Exactly, exactly. I was just like that. You know what I'm saying? I was sitting up there, huh? I think it was Huey, right? Huey P, yeah. So I was, I was sitting, sitting on the chair and it was like all of these objects like floating around me. But I was like in control of them. Like I could reach out and touch this, look at it, put it back, reach out. And it was like everything was, but and so I remember like thinking, oh, that's dope, you know what I'm saying? But then when I like, you know, my trip was over, I realized like I was seeing me in the center of something. Like as the center of something bigger than me with all of these moving parts, but I still had control and all this stuff. And I remember telling one of my clients one day about it, and it was like, oh, you was like the sun. I was like, what? And I ain't I never looked at it like that. It's like, nah, like, like it was like your energy was like drive was the driving force behind. I was just like, and so now that I'm at this point in my career, I realize that's exactly what's happening. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I realize that like the energy that I put in for a lot of years is now starting to pull people. And I'm starting to be able to attract people and, and they can do their thing and I can attract this person. Even with Steph coming, Steph wouldn't have come to me if he didn't know that I was already being successful. Like, he ain't no fool, he a good businessman. You know what I'm saying? So he understood that like, if I'm gonna be successful in, in, in my own business, let me link up with somebody who's already doing it. And I had to realize like, my confidence went up in what in what my abilities were um, because I had to look at it like, nah, like, I'm doing all right. Like, like I ain't nowhere near where I wanna be, but like, okay, yeah, I am doing all right. Like. I'm keeping it together, you know what I'm saying? I, I still, you know, and so now part of that balance piece I was talking about before is bringing in that other stream of income so that now it's not about me having to physically do things to make the money anymore. I've put in enough hours to where I want my mind to make my money the rest of the way. And I can tattoo when I want to, you know what I'm saying? Facts. But I want to be able, I'm smart enough to where I can use this to get direct, to take me the rest of rest of the way. I think that's a, I think a lot of people need to understand that it's like, yeah, you gotta put in the sweat equity, right? You gotta do what you gotta do. But the goal is eventually not have to do it every day unless yeah. you want to. 
That's I remember true. when I invited you to my graduation party, you was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna pull up. I'm like, bro, it's Saturday. You was like, I don't work on Saturday. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, damn, my nigga. <laughs> 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 I'm saying? But it's like, I think the, the journey and the process, like to see it from outside looking in, right? To be like, oh, bro, moving home. He, he, he figuring it out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, when you reached out to me about doing the engineering shit during the pandemic, I was like, I don't really think you should. To me, I'm like, I don't think you should do it because yeah. it's gonna become a distraction from what you do mm-hmm. every day um, and what you're passionate about, right? Yeah. And so to see then you invest in it, you know, like I, I don't know how much money I spent getting tattooed with you mm-hmm. at this point, but like, I'm like, I'm always gonna come to the shop because I'm like, people are like, oh, I know this good artist. I'm like, I don't let other people touch me. Yeah. Or like at this point, like, I know, I like, as much as I hate sitting in the chair with you <laughs> for hours, <laughs> hours, yo, Roger is meticulous as hell. I'd be like, bro, you ain't got to be the same You were literally one of my worst clients. I am. Cause <laughs> like, I, when it comes to a nigga that will literally make you want to fight him while y'all working, cause he don't talk shit. He gonna be like, nigga, for real, bro? For, I'm like, bro, like, chill, my nigga, chill. Okay, like, just chill. It's, it's all like, oh, you asked me to do this. Yeah, for somebody, for somebody with a lot of tattoos, my pain tolerance is not where it should be at this point. Yeah, but it start low and it go lower within 30 minutes. Like, you know what I'm saying? I gotta play, I gotta play music so I can distract myself from almost, cause like, but the, the, the end result be dope, right? So I always, that's why I always come back and I always, Give him the money because it's like, hey, you put up with me complaining. <laughs> but I say this though, I might have did all that, but one of the reasons why I ain't even because even I told I told Kellen I was doing the podcast, and I was just like, I have no idea what this nigga's about to ask me. I said, but I, he was like, well, why you just say yes? I said, because this nigga has literally supported every single thing I've done from my start. Well, I guess I started before we knew each other, but still, yeah. like for the most part, like every you know everything that. You everything that I've done, you've always supported me. So like, as soon as you reached out, I was like, yeah, like I don't even care what what whatever time yeah. you want to do it, because for me it was bigger than um, it was like I I admire anybody who decides to step out there and do something new. You know what I'm saying? It's not easy. You know what I'm saying? It's not like when you have to learn something outside of everything that you've been doing for most of your life, if not all of it. Like it's a scary thing. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. So I admire everybody who's getting out there trying new things, doing podcasts, starting businesses, because, you know, I do think that when I started, you know, everybody was still on the, you know, going to doing multiple higher levels of education, getting good jobs, whatever, whatever. And I was on that path. And I feel like when I jumped off that that train, I saw a lot of people like take off and I was still like this, like. I don't know if I made the right decision. You know what I'm saying? And um, I'm just glad to see that everybody is starting to kind of come full circle. And so part of me, part of me feels like I still could have done things differently, but I don't think I would have. Um, I think that I had to learn this way. You know what I'm saying? I think I had to learn uh, how to get this balance and how to get this clarity and peace in my life. through the through the lessons, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's that's real. Like I think everybody's journey is different. Like 
even with my son, right? I was comparing him to like my friends, maybe who's two weeks older, mm-hmm. and like she was walking and she talking, and so I'm like, but somebody's like, your your son's running his, he running his own race. Don't mm-hmm. compare him to yeah. nobody else. And then, I, but it resonated so deeply. It was like. I start saying it to other people too, like, bro, you're running your own race. Yeah. Like, whatever your journey is, I was talking to my little sister yesterday, like, yeah, everything ain't always gonna be what you want it to be or what you think it should be at that level mm-hmm. or at that time in your life. But just keep persevering, keep pushing, yeah. and you're gonna get where you need to be. Exactly. So with that being said, like, what's the ultimate, like five, 10, 20 years down the line, what's the end game, like the end goal? So yeah, me and Steph talking about this a lot. Like I want um I want an office building. So I want um, you know, we talked about warehouse and stuff like that. So the thing about Studio After Five is we started meeting because we were trying to figure out how we could work together and help people. Right. So I always felt like, okay, yes, I tattoo and you know, portion of that is some therapy, has some therapy components, but overall you coming to me, you paying for a service and you leave me with a tattoo. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of me giving of myself selflessly in the way that I would consider helping somebody. Like right. if I was volunteering or something like that. So initially we was always like, well, we gonna make sure we still touching the people. We gonna make sure we still doing, you know, career days at school and yeah. doing, you're doing, clothing you're doing, drives, doing high schools, doing all, doing all that kind of stuff to make sure we still touch the community, but they're still in most situations, some exchange of, of money. So it mm-hmm. didn't feel the same. So what we realized was like what we've learned through all the businesses that we've been a part of and what we've learned through uh, developing this business is valuable information for so many people who are now trying to get out there. They like they've made their money. They have their 401k. Now they're like, OK, let me figure out some other stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so Steph has a lot of tax clients and I have a lot of obviously art clients and commissioned art clients and stuff, tattoo clients. And um, so what we have started to do now is really create uh, an incubator and uh, a network of business owners that help each other. Mm-hmm. So so the idea is, so for, for right now, like with the three spaces we have, two of the spaces are more flex spaces. So we rent them out to people. So like, for instance, like if you needed a space to do your podcast one day, you could hit us up like, hey, I just need the space for an hour. Can I come up there and rent it out? Boom. And so what we're doing is creating, so what we've already done is we've created that space for people, but also the the teaching and information component is where we found a real desire and a real passion for, for just helping. Like, you know, I had an apprentice, she's not here anymore, but like, I've had a couple of different people come through as apprentices, but even now the two artists that I have now, like I get so much out of seeing them getting something or seeing them understand something new. And so what I what I envision is a office building where you come in and we have multiple services. So like, you know how you go into like a salon suites mm-hmm. somewhere and there's a bunch of, barbers or a bunch of nail techs or a bunch of lash yeah. techs. Well, you come in, there may there be maybe the first floor is all marketing specialists. The second floor is all artists. The third floor is people who do landscaping. The fourth floor is all other contractors. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so now, but everybody has their own office 
everybody is running their own business and it's not like a gathering spot type of situation where it's just about networking we're we're trying to give you functional skills that you can use right as soon as you walk out the door but it's all but we're all helping each other so instead of you saying oh oh i need to go outside or i need to go to instagram and go find somebody to help me with this project or i can just go upstairs right they got me you know what i'm saying and yeah. we're all a part of this yeah family. i'm part of a basically a business community that networks and exchanges this is more of an exchange than like exactly. hey i gotta charge you exactly we're not just charging you to be a member of a group you know yeah. what i'm saying we wouldn't charge like it's it's you're you and most of the people who are already part of the network are people so for instance we've helped over a hundred black owned businesses get started so that's getting their business incorporated doing their business taxes doing whatever so over a hundred so that being said we know about a lot so for instance i'll give you an example one of our first people to come through and kind of see the whole process um I have a, a, a client who's a principal at a high school. He came in to get a tattoo. He told me about the high school that was getting ready to be built. And he was kind of telling me a lot of things about it. While we're doing that, I tell him about Stefan and how he's doing business tests. He tells me about some of the other things that he has. I say, hey, you should talk to my business partner about him doing your business taxes, whatever. Long story short, Steph does his business taxes. I end up doing doing his tattoo, and while I'm doing his tattoo, he tells me that he wants to get a logo done for his new school. I end up doing the logo for the new school, and they come back and ask me again to do a mural at their school with that logo. You know what I'm saying? I get up to the school, I do the logo, and now I, a whole nother business has opened up for me where I'm doing murals all around in different counties in, in Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but all of that came out of the network. You know what I'm saying? So now, if another artist, so the other aspect of it is, I don't want to have to do every mural that comes across. So now I can say, hey, here, here's this contract. So now we're getting into a space where we're um, venture capitalists, but also a space where we are uh, motivational speakers. We are uh, teachers uh, of small business development. Um, and we also are creating a a network and an ecosystem of small business owners that allows us to self-sustain and keep the black dollar circulating between black businesses. Yeah, you know I, and I think it's dope. Like, so that's the big, that's the big, that's the big goal, know. right? And it's funny because we haven't talked about this, but that's the whole point of my podcast. I'm really that was like bringing in all these people mm -hmm. that like people can come to me like, hey, I need to, yeah. you know, yeah. like because. The network exactly like, your so, network is your network exactly right? exactly and so you having that mindset already we, we you think we wouldn't say hey you want to be a part of us too mm. all of us can work together now so you helping us help you help them help them and help them you know what i'm saying it's like and as long as and i think the biggest thing about it is me and steph i have always known how to make money but we've never been motivated solely by money exactly. so like because we're good people and we want to see people really get the best out of the services that we provide. Right. Um, I think that we've just been blessed. You know what I'm saying? We've been blessed over and over again with more opportunities, even opportunities that we've squandered. We've been given more simply because of our face card and our past history and rapport with people. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you know, I know there's clients that I didn't give the best possible service I could have, but because I did in the past, 
they know that that I have, so they're gonna, they're gonna recommend me to somebody else yeah. and come back for more. All right, so I'm gonna wrap this up because it's getting late, but I'm gonna ask you this because you know we both love music, right? Yeah. So when you tattoo, what is like if you had to play this on repeat the entire time you you tattoo? What song would it be? The song? Yeah. Or or maybe even the album, like your album. I, ain't gonna lie. I listen to Ari Lennox when I be tattooing. I listen to Ari Lennox radio. Um, and it's a combination of her, the, the, like how soothing her voice is. Um, and the fact that if I listen to her radio, it's not just her, but it's a lot mm-hmm. of music, obviously, that's soulful. Um, I like peaceful music, um, but I do let my clients choose. So oftentimes, like even in the booking form, if you can tell me what kind of music you like to listen to, so I'll make sure that we're listening to that. Um, lately, though, most of my clients have been wanting to watch TV. So yeah. most of the time I have Netflix going, but if I'm choosing, I'm pretty much going straight to Arlena's radio and letting it ride. Um, I think she's, I, I love Miss Hart. I ain't gonna lie, I love Miss Hart. All right, and then the last question is like, so we got, we un- I understand you want to do the office, the community, right? Do you want to expand and like open up different shops? So you know you have people like uh, what some people on oh, TV? Uh, Caesar, Caesar. Like yeah. Um. So yes and no. Like I think that I already have kind of started doing that, and the fact that I work in different cities regularly, um, I think that it, I don't. But what I look at is so one of the things that I talked about as far as investments is. Um, I'm looking into tax lien properties. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been looking at tax lien properties in the cities that I go to, not in Atlanta. Um, so that me opening a shop might not be a thing, but me having a private studio somewhere set up where I have property is more than likely something that's gonna happen. Um, and like I say, but um, overall, me just being able to, um, I don't ever, want, I never wanted to be in a situation where I was like, 40 pushing 50 and the only thing i could do to to make money was tattoo or or paint or do anything physically you know what i'm saying and i think your money gotta make your money eventually exactly you know what i'm saying and and i felt like it didn't really hit me until probably about 32 when i was like you know what like something got to change and i guess that was it was right before the pandemic. It was right before the pandemic. It was like right before the pandemic. And I was just like, nah, like something got, I don't know what I'm not doing right, but something got to change. And right. so um, what I realized was like, the first thing I had to do was take days off. And I'll say that to any entrepreneur, um, any artist, business owner, whatever, like you'll feel like the day that you don't go in or the day that you don't get up, will be the one day that you miss out on all the opportunities that's gonna take you to the next level. But trust me when I say it's not. Like there will always be another day. There will always be another opportunity, but you cannot get back the time that you miss with the people that you love um, and, the, and the experience that you can have with them because that's what I miss more than anything. And once I realized what I was missing out on, like I would go to, like I missed funerals because I didn't even know people had passed because I hadn't talked to my family in the, in that time frame. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I would find out 
oh, we literally, I'm on the phone with my mama. Oh, we, we coming back from Auntie Evie's funeral. Wait, when did she pass? You know what I mean? Like that type of thing. And so I had to realize like, nah, like, but I also had to realize that it's not their fault. It's mine. You know, I've been the one to create the separation. So I got to be the one to bring it back. So that's why, like, like I said, I made a point. Like, nah, I'm going to pull up. I'm, I have to pull up. Like, that's on my vision board. Pull up for my people. Like, that's on my vision board. You know what I'm saying? Because I wasn't doing that for a long time. And I, I appreciate y'all for allowing me to focus. You know what I'm saying? And I appreciate y'all for not holding it against me that I was focused. But at the same time, I got to still apologize for not being there for so many of y'all life experiences that were probably very important to y'all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, but I didn't know. like, And I didn't even care to know. And that's the fucked up thing is that I was so focused on what I was doing that I didn't even think about what I was missing. Like, I didn't even feel like I was missing anything. I was talking to Max about it like, uh, like a couple months ago. I was talking to him like, bro, like, I was like, bro, I didn't even think I worked that much. He was like, what? <laughs> he, was like, he was like, what do you mean? I was like, bro, I'm serious. Like, it didn't feel like work. Yeah. It didn't feel like work. Like, I'm just at the shop. We kicking it all day. Like, I'm laughing and drawing on folks all day. Next thing I know, it's 12 o'clock. I'm like, damn, I got to give it to You know what I'm saying? Like, I done been here all day. Like, so so that, that would be like, that would be my advice as far as like, if I'm going to leave anybody with anything, like, take time away. Like, sometimes you got to take a step back to take a step forward. I, and if you don't have time to plan, you'll never have time to execute. You know what I'm saying? So all you're going to be doing is bouncing from opportunity to opportunity to opportunity. You're never going to be able to sit back and look at the landscape of where you want, where your life is and where you wanted to go. And those three months during the pandemic gave me a chance to do that. All I did was journal. I wrote so much during that time, you know mm. what I'm saying? And it helped me and I read so much during that time and it helped me see what my life was, evaluate things and make adjustments. So. In those since the pandemic, like the pandemic changed my life, you know what I'm saying, in the best way possible. But um, I'm looking forward to where the next three or four years are gonna be. Uh, yeah, I look forward to just just to see where you go, bro. Like I yeah. want all my people to have success, you know. Sure. And you know, if you need me, I'm always there. Already. But uh, yeah, so this is we're gonna wrap the episode up. Uh, so you know, I always say I wish you peace, patience, understanding, knowledge, wisdom, discernment. Uh, make sure that you understand that every choice has a consequence and every reaction has a, every action has a reaction. Uh, so y'all be easy um, and I'll check y'all next time. Mm-hmm.